We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and this is The Jazz Show. And, of course, uh, we have some of the very best in jazz music right up until 12 midnight and sometimes a little bit after as well. So we hope that you can uh, stay with us uh, for the uh, for a good portion of the program, if not the whole thing. And what we'd like to do to open the show, our jazz feature tonight is John Coltrane and the Classic Quartet in concert in Berlin in November of 1963. They were at uh, a, a peak of creativity. And they had achieved um, standards that no group had, had, had achieved of this very same instrumentation. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, just a little bit of a, a change this evening, because it is um, celebrated as a holiday in the United States. It's Martin Luther King Day. And I'm sure those of you uh, out there um, know about that. But we don't celebrate it as a holiday here in Canada. But I will say that Dr. King's message is for all of us, whether we celebrate it as a holiday or not. Um, And so I'd like to dedicate the first piece of music that we're going to hear to the memory and the memory of Dr. King's ideas, which are still ongoing and um, still there are so many things to be uh, accomplished. But what we have to remember here in Canada, we can always say, well, we're not like the United States, but in many ways we are. Uh, We live in a multiracial and multicultural society. And Dr. King's message is particularly relevant, not only in these times, but for this country as well. Even though we may not celebrate his um, anniversary or create a national holiday for him, we have to remember his message. What we're going to hear first is one of the greatest of all drummers, Max Roach, who was always a very forward thinker, and always thought politically. And yet it didn't interfere with the quality of his music. Sometimes music and politics don't really mix. Max Roach found a a way to do both and uh, remain musically significant. So I'm going to play a piece by Max Roach's group. This is a band that I heard in person a couple of times, and it was one of the most powerhouse bands. It's a quartet with uh, Cecil Bridgewater on uh, trumpet and flugelhorn, uh, and from Philadelphia, a little tiny man who who plays a big-sounding tenor saxophone. His name is Odin Pope, and on bass is a friend of mine, Calvin Hill. And this was, um, these four men were... uh, Max Roach's Quartet. This is a piece of music that Max Roach called It's Time, but it's interspersed with the most 
probably the most famous speech um, ever. And, of course, that was Dr. King's speech in Washington in 1963, the I Have a Dream speech. So that's going to open the show this evening before we get into the jazz feature. So we turn you over right now to the Max Roach Quartet, The Dream, It's Time, Dr. Martin Luther King, and the late, great Max Roach.
Max Roach, and a quartet from an album called Chattahoochee Red, which came out on Columbia Records in the early 80s. It was uh, recorded in New York in March of 1980 and featured Mr. Roach, Max Roach on drums with Cecil Bridgewater on trumpet, Odine Pope on tenor saxophone, Kelvin Hill on bass, and of course uh, we heard um, some of the important parts of Dr. Martin Luther King's speech interspersed with Max Roach's incredible drumming. And uh, that piece of music uh, he wrote a number of years ago, it's called It's Time. And this one was subtitled The Dream Slash It's Time, put together by the great Max Roach. Our tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King, his uh, words his life, and what he was dedicated to, I think, uh, for all of us to aspire to. All right, our jazz feature this evening is a concert that took place in Berlin before a very receptive audience in November of 1963 by one of the most incredible groups in jazz music. And, of course, it's known now as the classic quartet, led by tenor saxophonist John Coltrane. The, all I can say, um, so much has been written about this, this incredible band, and of course uh, Coltrane's music at this point in time had reached um, a peak of creativity, and he was about to move into some other directions. 1964 uh, was a significant year. The following year after this recording was done, 
uh, things began to 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 change uh, within the band, although the quartet was still together. And of course, uh, about a year after this, um, Coltrane made his historic recording, uh, A Love Supreme. And um, then uh, came 1965, the big transition in his music took place. But we're not concerned with that. This is a particularly important period in the time of this band. And all of these musicians, these four musicians that comprise the classic quartet, uh, influenced generations of players and still do because uh, the standard was so incredibly high and the, the creativity in this, in this band, it was definitely all for one and one for all. And uh, the unity within this band, and of course, a standard uh, instrumentation of a jazz group has always been a horn uh, with piano, bass, and drums. Uh, that's that's uh, one of the classic uh, kind of um, styles of, of, of jazz groups that have been together for many years. This group changed all that because it was beyond um, the limitations of that kind of instrumentation. It's really hard to believe. It's similar to the Max Roach band. There's only four four musicians in that band, and yet <laughs> the sound that they produced, the sound that this band produced uh, with four musicians uh, was absolutely incredible. And, of course, um, the the influence of all their concepts was uh, is uh, felt to this day. John Coltrane on tenor saxophone. We'll later hear him on soprano. Um, most of the pieces will be played on, on tenor saxophone, except the one that I'm going to mention. Uh, and, of course, on piano, the incredible McCoy Tyner. On bass, the foundation of this whole band was Jimmy Garrison on bass. And on drums, of course, the amazing Mr. Jones, Elvin, Elvin Jones. Um, somehow the link between John Coltrane and Elvin Jones was something absolutely magical. There was no other drummer that uh, could, could really play in this band. Um, several did uh, uh, take Elvin's place at times when he was indisposed, but uh, no one ever approached the power and majesty of Elvin Jones drumming. We're going to hear a group of tunes. The first one is... One of my favorite John Coltrane compositions. Um, it was recorded uh, in the studio a few months before this, um, but this version is so is so much better, and it it extends on the t- on on the tune. Uh, the tune is called Lonnie's Lament, and my regret from the other album was that uh, Coltrane only played the melody on on, on the studio album. And most of the uh, space was taken up by McCoy Tyner's piano solo. This time, we hear John Coltrane actually solo on the tune. And this opens our set, Lonnie's Lament. Then we move to a very familiar composition that John wrote for his first wife, Naima. And that's what it's called, Naima. Then we're going to hear uh, a composition uh, that he actually wrote for his cousin. And it appeared um, in 19... 59 on the Giant Steps album. It's a great tune. It's called Cousin Mary. And uh, Cousin Mary apparently was uh, a swinging lady. And um, uh, she uh, 
She and Coltrane. She made she made John Coltrane laugh. John Coltrane was had a quiet sense of humor, but apparently cousin Mary was so funny that the Coltrane would be on the floor laughing, and he enjoyed her her company. So he wrote this tune, uh, cousin Mary, in honor of cousin Mary, and then we're going to hear um, a really uh, adventurous um, blues composition called "Chasing the Train," and we're going to end with. John Coltrane picking up the soprano saxophone, of course. And this was de rigueur for the band. They had to play this at every concert uh, because it was a hit for John Coltrane. And he enjoyed playing it. Um, and you could, uh, he, didn't, he, he never tired of this tune. And, and, and this tune continued to evolve. And, of course, it's uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein's great melody, My Favorite Things. And so we're going to hear yet another version and a fine, fine version of my favorite things. And that'll conclude the concert. So all of this took place in Berlin to a very responsive audience, November 2nd, 1963. Once again, John Coltrane on tenor and soprano saxophone, McCoy Tyner at the piano, Jimmy Garrison on bass and Elvin Jones on drums. And we begin our jazz feature with Lonnie's Lament.
our jazz feature this evening, the John Coltrane, what they call the classic quartet. They didn't call it that. <laughs> Other people did. And, of course, it was this particular band at uh, a peak of its creativity on this uh, extended European tour in uh, the fall of 1963, before some major changes happened in um, John Coltrane's music. Uh, this band had, had reached a level where, the, where they were playing with this kind of consistency every night. And um, such a beautiful intensity and, uh, and creativity just pouring out from these four gentlemen. And uh, one would not think this is just four musicians with a saxophone, piano, bass, and drums. It, it just sounded so much more. The music transcended, of course. And the, the people involved, John Coltrane, of course, on, on tenor and soprano saxophone, as you heard on the last tune, um, and McCoy Tyner at the piano, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and Elvin... Ray Jones on drums. And uh, the only surviving member of that quartet is Mr. Tyner, the pianist. He is still performing and still creating. But this was a special time, not only in um, history of the world, but the history of jazz music and the history of this band, the John Coltrane Classic Quartet. November 2nd, 1963, before a worshipful audience in Berlin, and we heard three, um, four John Coltrane compositions to open. Uh, we began with um, one of my favorite of all his compos uh, compositions um, called Lonnie's Lament. Never figured out who Lonnie was, and, and in my Conversations with uh, with John Coltrane. I never thought to mention it and ask him if this was um, to a specific person. I knew several Lonnies, but uh, <laughs> who knows? It might have been something in his past as well. Anyway, that's what it was called, Lonnie's Lament. Then one of his most famous compositions was next, and that was dedicated to his first wife. And the music, the piece of music, was called Naima. Piece number three was dedicated to another lady in his life, a, a very, very well-loved cousin of John's, and it was called Cousin Mary, and um, that was tune number three. Tune number four, McCoy Tyner didn't play. It was simply um, Mr. Coltrane with Jimmy Garrison and Elvin Jones, and it was an up-tempo abstract blues entitled Chasing the Train. Then we moved right away to... Uh, a composition by Rodgers and Hammerstein that was a hit for John Coltrane. It was one of those things that he had to play uh, for every performance, and he did. Uh, he honored his audiences. Um, they demanded it, uh, but he found something fresh. All, every time he played this composition over and over and over again, and, of course, uh, it featured his soprano saxophone. I'm talking about my favorite things. And uh, that was the final uh, composition of the concert and, of course, the most um, extended because uh, they got into that real wonderful sprung waltz, hypnotic kind of feel, which was 
this band played so expertly. So that was our jazz feature this evening, an extended performance by the John Coltrane Quartet. Coltrane on tenor and soprano saxophone, McCoy Tyner at the piano, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and Alvin Jones on drums. So we hope you enjoyed that one, and uh, that was our jazz feature for this evening. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca for live streaming. My name's Gavin Walker, and uh, we shall uh, return after some uh, messages with some music by Chet Baker. It's from a great recording that was recommended to me by um, someone uh, who is a very prominent Vancouver musician, a gentleman named Jack Stafford, uh, a very fine saxophonist. And uh, he, we, I remember we had a long talk about this recording uh, many, many years ago, and I was not familiar with it. And he told me to go out and get it because one of the saxophone players is a great favorite of mine, and him too. Um, But... He said, this is excellent Chet, and uh, I went out on his recommendation, found the record, and bought it. We're going to hear some tracks from that uh, right after some messages here. So, stay tuned, hang in there, and we'll see you in a few moments. But first... Whoever said money can't buy you friends obviously wasn't a member at CITR. When you become a member, you get the Friends of CITR card with incredible discounts in the Main Street area at... Anti-Social Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, RX Comics, Red Cat Records, the Regional Assembly of Text, the Wallflower Modern Diner, and Woo Vintage Clothing. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or go online to citr.ca. For a taste of the classics with a twist, join me, Marguerite, with Classical Chaos, Sunday mornings starting at 9, right here on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver, Canada. Well, I've got weather, (laughs) you got weather, all God's children got weather. Yeah, something that we have to live with. It's kind of interesting the next few days. Um, Tonight is a little cool, really not that bad. It's going to go down to about 5, and um, there's a few clouds with some increasing cloudiness and some fog patches overnight, but it's essentially not a bad evening. Uh, Tomorrow is going to be quite nice. Uh, It'll be clearing in the morning with the fog dissipating. 
And uh, it'll be, it's going to be quite a nice day tomorrow with a low of 5 and a high of 9, maybe even warmer. It got up to, I think, 10 or 11 today. It was quite, uh, quite the day. Uh, Wednesday is going to be a mix of sun and cloud with a low of 5 and a high of 8. Then it's going to cloud over for Thursday with a low of 3 and a high of 7. Oh, boy. Then on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, rain, rain, rain. Three days with uh, lows between 4 and highs between 11. So a rainy weekend, but uh, some nice days um, right up to Thursday, and then the rain starts on Friday, of course, uh, because it's the weekend, right? And everybody's going to go out. So (laughs) there you go. That's the way it works. All right. Well, I mentioned that a, a, a friend of mine, a, a fellow saxophonist and uh, and musician here in Vancouver, Jack Stafford, uh, recommended uh, this album to me. And, and at the time when he recommended it a few years ago, I had never heard this album. Uh, but we were talking about one of the saxophone players on here. I'm talking about Frank Strozier, who was one of my very favorite alto saxophonists. And um, his name came up, and, and uh, uh, Stafford said to me, he said, well, have you, have you ever heard the Chad Baker record, Baby Breeze? And I said, oh, I used to see it on the shelves, but uh, it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a Chi-Chi cover. It, it didn't really interest me, so I never bought it. And he said, you better. He said, because uh, there's, there's some really, really good tracks on there by, by uh, a band that Chet put together, uh, and uh, Frank Strozier's on there. And I said, oh, okay. So I went out and bought the album, and of course, um, I love it. It was recorded in November of 1964 uh, when Chet came back from Europe. And of course, uh, (laughs) he uh, had changed quite a bit. Um, (laughs) We won't get into Chet Baker's story, but uh, his adventures or misadventures over in Europe are all pretty well documented in the biography of Chet, and uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But he had returned to the United States and was performing and uh, trying to uh, resuscitate his career in, uh, in, in North America. Anyway, this is a great recording. We're going to hear some tracks from here with Chet on flugelhorn. Uh, his trumpet had been stolen, and um, <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, throughout, uh, through his own lack of, uh, of care, but it had, it had been ripped off, and uh, he was playing on a borrowed flugelhorn, which is a slightly larger, more mellow-sounding trumpet. And he sounded great. He sounds great on, on these recordings. Uh, Frank Strozier is playing alto saxophone and some flute. And a wonderful saxophone player, underrated fellow by the name of Phil Urso, is on tenor here. Hal Galper, who is a friend of mine, on piano. Uh, Michael Fleming on bass. And a man who Chet Baker said was the finest drummer he ever worked with. Now, Chet worked with a lot of great drummers, including people like Philly Joe Jones and so on. But he maintained that Charlie Rice, the drummer on here, who's from Philadelphia, still alive, by the way, was the finest drummer he ever worked with. And uh, Baker held that opinion right up to his demise. Anyway, um, those are the people involved on this. We're going to hear some tracks from here. We're going to hear the title track. It's called Baby Breeze. And then we're going to move to a thing based on what is this thing called love that Hal Galper put together called This is the Thing. And um, then we're going to hear another tune called um, One with One, another Hal Galper composition, and uh, a tune called Coming Down.
written by uh, Chet Baker. So those tunes we're going to listen to from this album, Baby Breeze. And here is the title track to kick everything off. Thank you. 
Seeing as we had a an extended Chet Baker feature, I thought I'd uh, throw in a vocal as well, and I also threw in an extra tune by the band. And uh, what we heard was from an album called Baby Breeze, which came out on the Limelight label. And uh, this great quintet that Chet put uh, put together, we heard um, actually five tunes by the quintet with Chet on flugelhorn, Frank Strozier on alto saxophone and flute, Phil Urso on tenor saxophone, underrated player, Hal Galper on piano, who's a good friend of mine, uh, Michael Fleming on bass, and the great and virtually unknown Charlie Rice on drums. And we heard a bunch of tunes beginning with um, a Chet Baker composition, the title track, Baby Breeze, then we move to uh, Hal Galper uh, composition based on uh, the standard what is the, what is this thing called love and it was called this is the thing and then we heard another Galper composition called one with one 
One more from Hal Galper called Pamela's Passion. And the final tune by Chet Baker was entitled Coming Down. Then we turned to a vocal by Mr. Baker. And that was the immortal tune, A Taste of Honey, which was written by Bobby Scott. And Bobby Scott played the piano. The composer of that tune was playing the piano on that piece, accompanying uh, Chet's beautiful vocal on that tune, A Taste of Honey. All right, a small tribute to a great musician, Chet Baker. Certainly hope you enjoyed it. The time is uh, just shortly after 11 o'clock, and there's a couple of birthday tributes that I would uh, like to do at this point. One of them is one of my favorite tenor saxophonists. I'm talking about J.R. Monterose. And J.R., Frank Anthony Monterose Jr., born uh, upstate New York on January 19th, 1927, and passed away a number of years ago. J.R. Monterose, as he was uh, better known. This is from his uh, Blue Note album, which I have treasured. I, I remember buying it when it first came out, and of course, it uh, was one of my mainstay albums. And uh, uh, I love this, uh, this recording. And interestingly enough, Blue Note Records primarily featured African-American musicians. And so it was an honor for J.R. Monterose, who is uh, Caucasian and an Italian-American, for him to lead a date on Blue Note and pick the musicians that he wanted to do the date with. And... Um, even though he only did one album for Blue Note, this is it. Uh, it it's a great album, and it's always been a, a, a mainstay for me. And I, I go back to this album a lot. I just love it. J.R. Monterose, who was born today, uh, on tenor saxophone. Iris Sullivan, who is still with us, lives in Florida, on trumpet. Horace Silver on piano. Wilbur Ware on bass. And Philly Joe Jones on drums. We're going to hear two tracks from this uh, Blue Note album. Both of them are compositions by J.R. And the first one is uh, based on uh, the standard Out of Nowhere. It's called Wee J. And the second one uh, is another J.R. Monterose original called Bobby Pin. So two tracks from this um, historic Blue Note album recorded uh, in 1956. So here we go with Wee J. Thank you. 
And there, our tribute to a great tenor saxophonist. We heard some music by him last week, uh, but I thought I'd go back to this uh, great Blue Note album that he did at the end of 1956. The album is simply uh, called J.R. Monterose, and of course it featured J.R. Monterose on tenor saxophone with Ira Sullivan on trumpet, Horace Silver on piano, Wilbur Ware on bass, and the great Philly Joe Jones on drums. And um, this is an album that I grew up with, and I I, uh, bought it first time out, and uh, it's been a part of my life for uh, many, many years. We heard two tunes from it, uh, both compositions by Mr. Monterose, and the first one was called Wee Jay, uh, and the second one was called Bobby Pin. And that uh, very distinctive, very uh, kind of staccato tenor saxophonist, um, J.R. was, uh, no one sounded like him. Um, and uh, sure, he had his influences. He loved Sonny Rollins. He was a good friend of, uh, of Sonny's. They used to practice together, and, and um, he had other influences, but uh, he really had his own, own thing happening. And uh, he's... Truly a legendary musician, and it was his birthday today, born in 1927 on October 19th. We're going to celebrate another birthday in a minute, but I'd just like to tell you um, about a couple of websites, which I usually do around this time. The first one, of course, is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, and uh, they, of course, um, bring you the big jazz festival this year, and it's going to be absolutely spectacular because it's the 30th anniversary of the jazz festival and uh, that has been recognized as one of the major major if not the major cultural event in vancouver and it was it's going to be extended this year there's going to be just more stuff everywhere and it's going to be really as ed sullivan would say really really big so it um would be wise to go check out coastaljazz.ca, their website. It's a very comprehensive and very complete website. You'll find out all kinds of uh, information on there. And uh, we live in the information era, so there you go. You want to find out about Coastal Jazz and Blues? Their website, coastaljazz.ca. Another great website, of course, I always talk about is the website that uh, is administered by my good friend Brian Nation. And Brian does a great job keeping everything up to date. Um, as I've mentioned before, there's all kinds of gigs in Vancouver. Uh, we don't have sort of a, 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 um, a central focal point for jazz uh, with the closing of, of Corey Weed's cellar. But jazz crops up everywhere. And uh, you never know where it's going to uh, um, pop up. Different venues, different evenings, all that kind of stuff. And... Um, it's a really good idea to go on to vancouverjazz.com and check it out because uh, you'll find out where, uh, if you want to go out on a Tuesday evening and hear some jazz, then uh, check out the website and you'll find out where you can. Uh, Wednesday evening, Thursday, you know, that sort of thing. So um, it's a good, very comprehensive, and very informative website. Lots of interesting stuff on there, vancouverjazz.com. One final word for my friend Ken Speller, very fine teacher, um, saxophonist, flutist, excellent musician, excellent teacher, and excellent woodwind repairman. He does that stuff. He's got his uh, complete workshop in his home, 
so he doesn't have the uh, overhead problems, and he keeps his prices at a very reasonable rate and uh, very affordable. And he's uh, very approachable. Keep him busy. Uh, he likes to be busy, and he does a great job uh, getting instruments into good shape. And woodwind instruments, saxophones, flutes, clarinets, they always have to be looked at every once in a while because um, pads wear out and all, all kinds of things. There's lots of moving parts on those instruments, and they have to be taken care of properly and set up and adjusted and all that kind of stuff, much like a, um, a car. And, uh, you, have, you know, uh, to maintain your car, you have to maintain it. <laughs> That's it. So uh, Ken Speller will help you do that and uh, give you some pointers on how to keep your instrument in shape as well. Now, you can reach him at his uh, phone number, which is 778-800-1933, 778-800-1933. Or you can uh, reach him by email, which is kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca kspeller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. Good man to know. All right, another birthday is a very, very fine pianist who has lived in Denmark for many, many years. I first discovered him um, on uh, when he was a member of Charles Mingus's Jazz Workshop uh, back in 1959. And, uh, of course, he went on to his own career. I'm talking about Horace Parlin. Wonderful piano player and a uh, musician that has played with virtually everybody. And we're going to hear a couple of tracks from a great trio album that he did with his favorite people, with the late George Tucker on bass, and one of the most tasty New York drummers, Al Harewood. And uh, they played together a lot back in the day, uh, before Parlin moved uh, Lock, Stock, and Barrel to uh, Denmark. Uh, where he has lived uh, since. He's 84 years old today, and he's still alive and well and still performs. So this is from a Blue Note album called Us Three, and it featured uh, George Tucker on bass and Al Harewood on drums and Horace Parlin on piano. We're going to hear the title track, Us Three, and uh, another Horace Parlin composition called Waden. So here is the distinctive piano stylings of the great Horace Parlin. Thank you. 
Happy birthday, 84, to pianist Horace Parlin. This was from an album that he did uh, back in the day for uh, Blue Note Records with his favorite uh, accompanists, the great and um, sadly forgotten, wonderful bass player. He actually studied with Mingus, and he... Um, he got he got that kind of a sound that uh, that um, Mingus got on his bass, and you can hear the influence there in George's sound. But his approach, of course, to the bass was very different from Mister Mingus's. Um, a real beautiful timekeeper, George Tucker on bass and Al Harewood on drums, and uh, both of them have uh, gone to the big band in the sky. Actually, George Tucker died quite young in 1965 from uh, an aneurysm, and Al Harewood uh, lived to a ripe old age, but he, uh, he just passed away about a month or so ago in New York. Very, very fine drummer. But Horace Farland is still with us, and uh, living in Denmark, still performs occasionally. He's 84, a great, wonderful pianist, left uh, the country in the 60s and for a better life over there, and of course, uh, uh, respected for his uh, artistry and musicianship, and uh, all that sort of stuff. We heard two compositions by uh, Horace. The first one was called Us Three, the title track from this Blue Note album. And the second tune was called simply Waden, like Waden in the Water. Yeah, Horace Parlin on piano. Happy birthday, man. We're going to turn now to a, a set. Um, those of you that listened to the jazz feature last week, and um, listen to Miles Davis at the uh, Lincoln Center, that particular concert where Miles was playing Stella by Starlight. And there's a point in Miles' solo where you hear this voice going, yeah, very loudly. That voice belonged to a gentleman named Babs Gonzalez, who was a singer a jazz character, a composer, a poet. He wrote some books, um, led a, a band in the 40s, a little band with uh, vocals, with him on vocals, called Three Bips and a Bop, and uh, was just one of the characters around jazz uh, for many years. And he was friends with some great musicians. Here he is doing an MC job on this album, and it's called Jazz Studio, or Johnny Griffin Studio Jazz Party. It was uh, an album done for Riverside Records, and of course they, uh, with an invited studio audience, um, and uh, Johnny Griffin, a great Chicago-born tenor saxophonist. Refreshments were um, provided for everyone, and uh, this great band that Griffin put together for this date, which uh, took place at Plaza Sound Studios in New York, September 22nd, 1960. And we'll hear the introduction, the spoken introduction by the inimitable Babs Gonzalez. And then the band's going to go into a great uh, Tad Dameron Count Basie composition that everybody knows called Good Bait. And the people involved here, Johnny Griffin on tenor saxophone, David Burns on trumpet, one of the most underrated trumpet players, beautiful player. And from Chicago, a guy that went on to uh, do lots of arrangements and Worked uh, with Carmen McRae for many years. Norman Simmons on piano. He was her musical director. Another Chicagoan on bass, Victor Sproles. And on drums, Ben Riley. 
So that's the, uh, that's the quintet. Uh, we'll just go into uh, Babs Gonzalez's intro and uh, hear his uh, distinctive way of uh, bringing the cats to the bandstand and uh, introducing them to the audience. Here he is. Here's Babs. Watch it now. Watch it, everybody. We're getting ready to roll. Quiet, please. Yeah, what kind of pot is this? Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's all right with me. All right, okay. (laughs) Don't make me laugh. Crazy, watch it, everybody. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Babs Gonzalez. Welcome to Riverside Records Jazz Party. The purpose of this little gathering is to acquaint some of you who are not familiar with a recording session and also to hope that your presence will add warmth not only to the musicians but also to convey it to the audience who are not fortunate enough to be here in person. Just relax, y'all. Be cool. Have your ball as the fellas ease into their first Irene. And you go to the arena and replenish yourself, like I said, and don't let it go to waste. That's right. Now I'm telling you like it is. So you got it. I'm through with it. Now, something written by Tad Dameron, one of our, everybody in here's constituent. His thing has been very exuberant through the years, and it's called Good bait. Now, I don't know what kind of bait that is, but I imagine if Tad wrote it, it's good. Voila, Griffin, allo. Thank you. 
We heard a couple of tracks, including, of course, the inimitable introduction by the one and only Babs Gonzalez. And uh, (laughs) he introduced all the guys in the band. We heard Johnny Griffin on tenor saxophone, the leader, with Dave Burns on trumpet, a terribly, shamefully underrated trumpet player, always always great. Went into teaching um, in his uh, later years, only recorded very little which is too bad because he was excellent, of course. Um, Norman Simmons on piano from Chicago, uh, as well as Victor Sproles on bass from that same town. Uh, They both, uh, and Griffin, they all went to Disable High School and studied under the um, tutelage of Walter Diet, Captain Walter Diet. And, of course, uh, so many prominent jazz musicians graduated from that school. Um, And three of them did on uh, on this album, Griffin, Simmons, and Sproles. The drummer, Ben Riley. We heard two tunes. We heard uh, Tad Dameron's Good Bait, and we heard a tune written by for the date uh, by Babs Gonzalez himself, and it was called Low Gravy, the uh, final tune, the blues. You know, I'm sure that you've all heard our theme song, which is going to be played pretty soon, because this is going to be the last tune of, of uh, the evening that we're going to hear. But uh, I'm going to play you the second tune from this wonderful album, Soul Stirrin'. We are, Soul Stirrin' is the title track. It was written by Babs Gonzalez, as a matter of fact, and uh, has been our um, opening and closing theme for uh, ever since this show went on the air many years ago. So we're going to play you the second track from this album and uh, as our closing selection. But before I do, I'd just like to tell you that the jazz feature next week is going to be a big band recording called Little Man, Big Band. And it's led by the great Philadelphia tenor saxophonist, a close friend of John Coltrane's. As a matter of fact, he grew up with Train, and they went to uh, uh, sessions together and so on. The Middle Heath brother, Jimmy Heath. And um, he's a wonderful writer. And we're going to hear uh, an example of not only his great playing, but uh, his writing for a large, big band. So that's, uh, that's our jazz feature next week. Little Man, Big Band. All right. Our final selection, Benny Green on trombone, Gene Ammons, the great jug, on tenor saxophone. Second tenor saxophone is by a Philadelphian by the name of Billy Root. Excellent player. Sonny Clark on piano. Ike Isaacs on bass, and the great Elvin Jones on drums. And, as I said, this is track number two, We Want to Cook, written by Benny Green. And the band does the vocal. Thank you. 
want to cook now. We want to cook now. We want to cook now. We want to cook now. Closing our show this evening uh, is the second track from uh, the album that uh, we play our theme from. And, of course, that is called, fairly obviously, We Want to Cook. And uh, that featured, of course, uh, trombonist Benny Green, the leader of the band. Gene Ammons was the first tenor saxophone solo. Billy Root was the second. Sonny Clark on piano, Ike Isaacs on bass, and Elvin Jones on drums. We Want to Cook Now by Benny Green. And uh, that's it for the jazz show this evening, and we certainly hope that you uh, enjoyed the show and drop by next week. Same time, same station, as the old cliche says. And um, we'll be back with some more Great jazz for uh, three or so hours right here on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www. CITR.ca. www.citr.ca. Whoa, well, I had one of those uh, thoughts, <laughs> those blocked thoughts. It's getting late. Thank you very much for listening on behalf of The Jazz Show and myself, Gavin Walker, and we'll see you in seven days' time. Take care. Bye-bye. Do-ba-dee-oo.